Well, I guess I'm back up here. Whew. Boy, I tell you, what a good worship time, right? Man, I tell you, just the Spirit of God just moving in our presence. I tell you guys, we are on the, the cusp, the cusp of something amazing that is about to happen. That is, I mean, I am just telling you, I can't, I come in here every single week with this, back to our slide, man, that, that, that anticipation. I mean, I just can't wait to see what God is about to explode out the next week. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm just telling you, if you don't come ready and expect, I mean, I'm almost jittery when I get in here and it is not the caffeine, right? It is not the caffeine. I, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. God's doing awesome things in our Sunday school classes. God's doing awesome thing in our Wednesday nights. And then it's kind of culminating right here. And it is happening. And I'm so, I, I'm just, that's my word of encouragement for you guys. And uh, so I get the privilege today of starting a new series. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I love to talk about the Old Testament. Uh, it, is, it is one of my favorite things to talk about. And we're going to talk about Abraham. And we're going to look at his life over the next umpteen amount of weeks. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember how many there are in there. I know I have several of them. Uh, so we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham, and we're going to get to look at the parallels between our life and Abraham's life. And sometimes we begin to put folks up on these pedestals, and we begin to real, forget that they are real people, and they have something to be able to teach us. So those of you who are interested in getting ahead, you know, maybe you studious people, I think that's a word, studious. Uh, sure, I'm going to make it a word today. Those of you who are interested, if you want to read the story of, of Abraham ahead of us, you can take a look at Genesis 11. If you can get through the first, what, roughly 27 verses, the begots and begats and, and all of that, uh, it's, it, it goes right into his life all the way up through uh, chapter 25, verse 11. So if you want a little homework, we've got a little bit there for you today. So... Um, so we're going to look at how Abraham is really the epitome of how God, how we can see God work in our lives, even though we're flawed. You know, as we begin to think about Abraham, we sing Father Abraham as children, right? In Sunday school, we sing that song. And we, we think about uh, all of the great things. But what we don't see is a lot of the struggles that Abraham went through. I mean, just, just these are a couple of things we can learn because of his struggles. Faith. Faith in God. You, th you think that just came naturally? This was a man who, who, who learned how to have faith. We learn about obedience. We learn about communication with God. And the list just goes on and on and on. So we're going to get that opportunity to see that in the next upcoming weeks. Well, I always love to tell you guys a story about me and embarrass myself. Maybe my son. Maybe my wife. This week we'll just keep it to me. So, yeah, I know he appreciates that. So this past year... We had the opportunity to uh, have our washer break down. Anybody ever had their washer break down? So, you know, for several months, um, we had this little leak that just kept coming out from the bottom of it. You know, we tightened it. We tightened everything. We did all of those things. And those of you who know me around here, Steve, I don't want to hear anything from you on this. I am not particularly a handyman. Yeah. I am not particularly a handyman. So I'm faced with the opportunity in my life, or the choice, to do I call out the repairman, 
Or do I just call Home Depot and say, send me a new one? Right? Give me a new, give me a new washer. And, and I thought, you know what? It can't be that bad. I'm going to call the repairman. I actually, there is, believe it or not, there are actually washer repairmen still in existence. Didn't even know that happened. Yeah, right? And so, anyway, so I, I find him, I get him in there, and um, he comes. He spends an hour with us. Spends an hour at our house. Filling up the washing tub, emptying the washing tub, filling the washing tub, emptying the washing tub. My water bill got a lot higher that month, just, you know, in the one hour the dude was there. And so I finally came up and I said, hey, what's the prognosis? What do you think? He says, well, I've been doing this a long time. And I said, well, that's great, you know. And he says, I have no idea. <laughs> I said, cool. Here's what he said to me that I thought was really interesting. He wasn't really for sure what the problem was. And I thought, well, you're the expert, huh? But here's what he said to me after that. He said, this unit was never made to be repaired. That's what he said. I said, so what's your suggestion? He says, well, I can order this part, this part, and this part. And he says, we'll be about $700. Awesome. I said, so what would you do? He says, I'd throw this out and buy a new one. But I got to tell you, I said, does this happen often? And he said, most of the repairs that he goes out for now are just because somebody can't hook up the water line. He said, his most common advice 90% of the time was, buy a new one. And I thought, that's a problem. That's a problem because we've become a society that no longer values what we have. We no longer value the repair, the fix. We look to go to, my friend, the trash can. Right off the bat. It is our de facto move here on out these days. I was thinking about my truck the other day. And I thought, it's about six years old now. And I thought, hmm, might be time to get a new one. Might be time to do some repairs. I thought, well, I, and I thought, what a bad attitude is that, right? And, and what we've become is the society that no longer looks to mend anything. So we're going to read our scripture. It's, it's a little bit long here, but I'm going to try to get us through it here. And it's Genesis 11 verses 27 through chapter 12, verse 6. And it says this. It says, This is the account of Terah's family. Terah, for those of you who don't know, was the father of Abram, and Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth, where his father, Terah, was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The, father, the name of Abram's wife was Sari, and the name of Nahar's wife was Milcah. Milcah and her sister, Isaac, Isa, Isa, were the daughters of Nabor, Nahor's brother, Haran. But Sari was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah took his son Abram and his daughter-in-law, Sari, and his, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son of Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. And he was, this is really important, I want you to pay attention to this. He was headed to the land, the land of Canaan. But they stopped at Haran and settled there. That sentence is extremely important in our story today. 
Hera lived for 205 years and he died while still in Haran. This scripture today almost has two parts. And we're going to jump into the second. This is the first part. I want you to think in two parts today. And it says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham, Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. And he took his wife, Sari, his nephew Lot, and all of his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into the household of Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and there he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. And at that time, it was inhabited by the Canaanites. Well, let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray real quick. Father, we just praise you. We thank you, God, for your word. Lord, we thank you for you, the, the way that you speak to us, Lord. And I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds today, God, to your word, to your very spirit today, God. I pray that my words would not be my own, Lord, but that they would be yours and yours alone. And they would speak directly to your people. Lord, we just praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I said I titled this, this scripture was two parts. So I titled my message in two parts. Just seems logical to me, right? And the first part of this I call it is Abram the broken. Now not many of us think of Abram as broken, but if we read chapter 11, our first five or six verses, we really get to see an opportunity as we see a guy who's a, not the guy that we sing songs about. He is not that same guy. So... I want to tell you a story. Anybody ever heard of a campaign called Make, Do, and Mend? Nobody has ever heard of Make, Do, and Mend? Really? Wow. All right. Well, let me tell you. For those of you who know, I love history. This was an ad campaign during World War II in Great Britain. So let me tell you why. Due to the shortages in the supplies in World War II, World War II, Great Britain was heavily bombed. The Germans could fly right across the channel, right? And they could drop all their bombs, and supplies were in short, short supply. There was rationing that went on. Uh, you know, we couldn't just run down to the Casey's and pick up a new, a new battery. We couldn't just run down to uh, Walmart and pick up whatever new we wanted to get, right? They had to really ration. Most of us don't understand that piece of rationing, but, but during that time they did. So what happened was Britain put out these campaigns, they have little pamphlets, and on the radio called Make, Do, and Mend, and they were encouraging their citizens to take the things that they had and mend them, fix them, learn how to make do with them, make something new out of something old. Because as you heard in my Sunday school class today, when we talked about World War II, one of the great things about America is they turned all resources towards fighting the enemy. And Great Britain did the same thing. And so this created new businesses. Listen to this. Out of broken stuff, it created new businesses. It created new fashions. It created trades for repairmen. It gave people skills along with a whole new purpose for the everyday. 
they were encouraged not to throw away, not to fill up their landfills, not to create more waste, but to use what they had. Nothing at that time was disposable. Nothing was disposable. Can you imagine that? This campaign was so popular. Get this. I want you all to hear this. This campaign was so popular and went over so well in Great Britain that it was, when did World War II ended in 1945? Great Britain extended this out until 1949 while they rebuilt, while they came up from the ashes, from the destroyed to the rebuilt and to the usable again. Now today I think about our attitude and what do we do? We've lost the value of the mend. How many of us don't even know what a toolbox looks like today? Kelton, I'm not looking at you. Just joking with him here. So with our current attitude today, it's easier for us to throw it away than to grab the sewing kit. Hmm. You know, I have this, and I promise it's clean. I have this sock with me today. I don't know if any of you can see it. It's got a beagle tooth hole in it. Everything in my house has a beagle hole in it. Um, <laughs> so let me ask you, what would you do with this sock? We throw it away, most of us. You, you, you're stealing my sermon. We'd take that sock and we'd throw it away because it's no good anymore to us, right? Just toss it in the trash. We'd just toss it in there. But Abram, he kind of gives us some, some hope here. If we go back just a little bit further, I want you to think about Abram. I want to set this up for you really, really well. Abraham, Abram, if you want to call him at this time, he's still Abram. He is a direct descendant of Noah, 10 generations removed. Up to that point, one of the greatest men. Every other man up to this point, from his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, was just a begot in the histories. And here we are, we're ten generations away from a man that God declared all mankind would be saved from. That all generations would flow from him. Now we have Noah, who's a grown man, Following his father around. Father's dragging him out of his homeland. Dragging his wife. Not a whole lot going on there for him. So I want to take a, a look at three areas that maybe we can identify with Abram on. So this is really important. Abraham had no calling or identity of his own when he starts out. According to chapter 11 and verse 31, it says that Terah took Abraham and his family and moved them from his homeland and brought them on his calling to Canaan. Anybody noticed that ever before when you read that? It was never Abram's first calling. It was actually his father's calling. So here he is. He's following his father around, riding the coattails. Anybody know anybody like that? Rides the coattails of someone else. He's riding around on his coattails. We all assume that he was supposed to be the one to go to Canaan, but very clearly it's his father 
who's supposed to go. And he's just along for the ride doing what his dad tells him to do. Kelton, take some notes. We don't get much of a picture of Abram's youth. But by that very wording, we kind of get the idea that Abram doesn't have a whole lot of identity. We read in chapter 12 that he's 75 years old before he finds his calling. Kelton? No. 75 years old, he's still living with his dad. If he was wearing sweatpants at 75 years old and living in his dad's basement, we have an issue, right? So Abram's following his father around 75 years old. Because he doesn't really have a whole lot of his own calling at that point. We don't know why Terah stops on his calling to go to Canaan. But it says he stops very clearly in Haran. And I can't tell you why he stopped. I have no idea. But many of us, we can find our time. Many times we find ourselves in a position just like Abram. Where we have no calling or identity. We're not really for sure who we are. Anybody ever identify with that? I'm the... I'm who? Right? I'm who? We find ourselves in a job. Maybe this, this, one, I've, this rings true with me at times. Find ourselves in a job where we don't know what we're really doing there other than collecting a paycheck. That's a bad feeling, isn't it? I mean, I like the paycheck part, but that's about it. Maybe we get into a friend group or we hang out with a group of people because we just don't know where else we belong. You know, maybe we go from place to place or from hobby to hobby or from thing to thing because we just can't find what our identity is. Nothing lasts. Maybe this hits home a little bit more. Maybe you get so wrapped up in your identity as a spouse or a child, or a mother, or a father, that when that child leaves, or when that spouse is gone, you have no idea who you are. Because all you've ever known is that I'm Kelton's dad. Or I'm Heidi's husband. Some of you sitting out there today, I, I, can, I can tell you, I can look around and I can see that that's exactly what you've said. Honestly, we just don't know who we are anymore sometimes. I think Abram probably felt this way. He's just following his dad around. He's just following him around. Also, we can look at Abram, and he had no purpose or plan of his own. Abraham was so wrapped up in following his father's plan to go that he had nothing of his own. His job was to support his father. I don't know why Terah stopped on the journey to Canaan. Maybe he was scared. Maybe he was sick. Maybe he just stopped. We all know people like that, right, on their calling. I was one of those people at one point in my life. I just stopped. But we don't see Abraham keeping up at that point. We don't really see him doing anything more. Abram's plan up to this point was to follow where dad told him to go was to do what dad said to. He was lacking, get this guys, he was lacking any true revelation in his life at this point. He's dependent upon the revelation 
of his father. That's interesting. He was counting on someone else to get direction from. Many of us, we live like that in our lives. We wait for someone else to tell us the plan. Pastor Aaron, tell me where I can serve at. This conversation's never happened, has it, Aaron? Never, ever. Oh, I'll wait until Helen tells me it's time to fast and pray. We are so afraid to make a wrong move. We're paralyzed with fear. We fail to believe that we can be anything more than what someone else tells us we are. We've lost that identity and that purpose because we fail to seek out the one who gives revelation. Instead, we're settling for what others are doing. Young people, that happens a lot when we're young, doesn't it? We become followers because we don't know the one who gives true revelation to us who sets us on our course and our plan. Here's what Peter, Peter can identify with Abram here just a little bit, so that those of you who know. Jesus has left. He's a, he, he, he has been periodically, since he's, he's died, he's periodically shown up and to talk and teach. But when Jesus returns for the last time, what does he find Peter doing? He finds him fishing because he doesn't know any other plan. Back to John 21. Here's the guy who spent three years with the Savior of the world. God incarnate. In the flesh, it says. Here's Peter. John chapter 21, 1 through 3. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. These are some powerful dudes. These guys go on to write the New Testament out for us. And here's what they said. Here's what Simon says. Here's what Peter, our friend Peter, says. I'm going fishing. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going fishing. And here's what the others said. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, and they caught nothing. Because they were no longer fisher, fishermen. Peter had no calling at this time in his life. He wasn't for sure because he no longer had his direct connection. Because he'd built it all on the physical. He'd all built it on one person's. He could see right there in the moment. And the minute Jesus disappeared, he, he, he faltered. The minute he couldn't see him, just like that when he was in the sea and he was running toward Jesus, on the, just when he took his eyes off, what happened? He faltered. Abraham, much like that. We, but let me, let, me, let me just help you see some things. When we have no identity, when we have no identity, we can have no calling or purpose. If we don't know who we are, we definitely can't be doing anything else, can we? Mm, that's good stuff. Kelly, that was good preaching right there. Whew. Come on, Kelly, preach that. All right. I kind of love new technology here, right? Because I'm like pushed my page out of there. So when we have no calling or, or identity, we have no plan. Thirdly, Abraham, when we look at this, had no future. Now, you're looking at me and you're going, what? Well, let me tell you why we can gain Abraham no, had no future. We read that Abraham's wife, sorry, 
was unable to have children. Well, that's important. If you want to keep a bloodline along, you got to have an heir. Right? This was viewed, I did a little research on this. This was viewed as a great travesty. I mean, this was terrible. Like, this is the ultimate, like, snub you could have in the, in the Jewish community. In that time, to not have an heir to carry on your name. Notice, he grabs his nephew Lot and pulls him in. He's, he's doing what he can. He's like, oh, i got to have something, but it's not really his future. For Abraham, this meant the end of the road. There would be no one to take care of him or give his, his inheritance to. He had no future. He's living in a land, guys, at that moment that's not his own. He says his dad drug him out of where his family was at. Traveled somewhere else, so he has nothing of his own. Many of us feel that way in our lives. We feel like we don't have any future. Everyone's left us and there's nothing more for us. We see our friend Job's wife. Remember I referenced her just a couple weeks ago. Expressed her lack of hope for the future. Or Job, when she tells Job to do what? Curse God and die. Because she had no future and no hope. Maybe even right here in the building today, you are not for sure where you fit. And you wonder if there's a future here for you. Honestly, you're just, maybe you feel broken. Maybe you just feel broken today. Life has told you that your life is just belongs in the trash can. Well, I have good news for you. There's more to the story, as Paul Harvey would say. I know there's an age group out here who understands who Paul Harvey is, right? And here's the rest of the story. Here is the rest of the story. Because God is the mender and the repairer of the broken. And he throws nothing, and I mean nothing, away. Nothing. Because in God's mind, that trash can doesn't exist. I didn't light any fireworks off. I just kicked a trash can for you today. <laughs> so I'm going to take you through the rest of the story. When we get mended by God, we are given a new identity. Abraham was given a new identity. We find it a little bit, long, a little bit later on. He calls him, instead of calling him Abram, he calls him Abraham. He gives him a new identity. Because let me tell you what chapter 12 goes into. God told him that he would make a great nation. He gave him a new identity that he would be the father of a nation. See, he had no home at the time and no place that he identified with. And God said, no, no, I'm going to make you a home. God proclaimed that he would replace his identity and he would, he would be identified through him and his promise. He called him a blessing. I like that name. He said, I will bless the entire earth through you. God signed a covenant with him and grafted his identity into that of one who should be blessed by the hand of God. How about that? How's that for an identity, folks? That you are blessed by the true hand of God. I like that, don't you? 
Don, you like that? You like that? I like that. That's how I want to be identified as. God calls us out to a new identity as followers of Christ sealed with his covenant. And I love that because it can't be broken. What he seals, what he repairs, can't be broken or worn out. Mm. We see this over and over and over again in Scripture. Matthew 16, 17 through 19. This is what he, Peter, he, he, he has a lot of parallels here to Abram. He says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And now I say to that you are Peter. He goes from Simon to being Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth and whatever you forbid in heaven... And whatever you permit on the earth will be permitted in heaven. Jacob goes from deceiver to Israel, the one who fight, God fights for. Here's one for you. Peter 2.9 says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Chosen people have an identity, don't they? You are royal priests. Come on, I'm giving you some identity. Maybe you want to write this down. This is good stuff. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. You have been grafted in. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. Abram, you are to be a blessing to the remainder. of the Here it goes again. Peter says, you are called out to be a blessing to others. So you are not without the identity when Christ Jesus is in you. You are recognized. You're a royal blood you're of a royal blood as a child of God. Let me, come on, let me hear you say it. Royal blood. You are holy. Come on, say it. You are righteous because he is righteous and holy. You are an example of God's goodness. That's identity, isn't it? Come on, that's good identity. In Christ, you have an identity that was made, that made for just for you. Just like Peter, Jacob, and Abraham, you have identity. You are no longer a coattail grabber. You are the head and not the tail, is what the Bible says. Come on, that's good. When we are mended by God, here go, point two, when we are mended by God, we receive our calling and our purpose from God. Remember what I told you? Abraham had no purpose other than to follow his dad around and do what his dad told him to do. No. Sons, daughters, young children, don't get that confused because do what your parents tell you to do. But this dude's 75 years old still following his dad around. God, God called Abram to go into a new land where God would establish a land for his people. Abraham had no idea in that moment that he was establishing the permanent home of God's people and the permanent land to this very day. Abraham's calling would begin an eternal covenant, covenant with his descendants and God. That's, that's strong stuff. This is from a kid living in his dad's basement. Abraham was called to be a blessing to all who encountered him. Oh, this guy's getting a calling, isn't he? 
That's a, that's a big calling right off the bat. Throughout time, Abraham and his blessing, his people would be a blessing to all those who stood with him, and it began right there. It's still relevant today because God's repairs, God's calling never ends. It never wears out. It never breaks down. When God fixes it, it's fixed for good. Hmm. When we allow God to mend our lives, he gives us purpose. And it's easy, guys, for us to feel purposeless, isn't it? We just don't know what our purpose is. We see it all the time. Depression right now is at an all-time high in the world. Because people don't know where they belong, and they don't know what they're supposed to do. People continue to move from one job to another 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 job. My dad in his life as an adult had two jobs. Two jobs. Some of us have had 10, 12, 14. It's like we change our socks, right? Hopefully you change your socks more, but some of us change our jobs like we change socks. We feel directionless and we lack knowledge of what to do, but when God mends our lives, he gives us purpose and calling. Mark 16, 15, this is what he said. He said, he told the disciples, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Because he took them from fishermen to fishers of man. He gave them a new calling. He gave you a calling straight there. When we allow God's purpose in our lives, it allows us to take in all aspects of our lives and purpose in what we do. I told you about the sock that was mended fully. Now, the general purpose of the sock is to wear the sock. Right? Protect our feet. Hopefully, you don't have sweaty shoes, smelly shoes, all of those things. Right? That's a lot of good purpose out of this sock. But I want to help you understand what else comes out of this sock. I can use the sock for entertainment. Hi, Steve! I can use it for entertainment. I can use this sock. Now, some of you folks might know this. Don't, don't tell me if you do this. You might use it to clean. Some of you might use it to clean. I can use this sock to play with my dogs. Lily knows there's a lot of these out in my backyard. Because we can, the sock can still have purpose. It's still a sock. But in the hands of the right person... In the hands of the right God, there's purpose for it, and there's calling, even when it's mended. When we are mended by God, we have purpose in all we do. When we have identity and we have purpose, we have a future. We are rend- when we are mended by God, we have a future. Abraham was childless, no prospects, but God promised him a future. We're talking about a wife who's got no children, can have no children, and God says, wait a minute, I'm going to make make your descendants as many as the sands that's, that's on the beach. God stepped in and made him not just a father to one, but he made him a father of nations. This is what Genesis 17, 5 says when God's speaking to Abraham. He says, what's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abram. He gave Abraham, he gave him identity. You will be the father of many nations. He gave him a purpose 
and a future. Mm, I like that. From no future to the follower, a follower to the beginning of God's chosen nation, the father of faith. This is a dude who was living in his dad's tent. We allow God to mend our future. He takes the bleak from bleak to bright. Jeremiah 29. This speaks to us all the time. And, but I want you to hear it now from a new standpoint. As God, the giver of future. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Boy, Abram kind of figured that part out, didn't he? 75 years, he's living with his father. But this is Jeremiah. This is, just, this is the nation of Israel now. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. <laughs> to give you future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity <laughs> and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you. And I will bring you home again to your own land. It's no longer a catchphrase, folks. It's no longer a coffee cup or a t-shirt when the Lord of heaven says, I have a future for you. Mm. God will take one who is hopeless and turn them into something. I told, told you guys just last week about my calling and how I felt like it was dead and it was empty and there was no hope and there was no promise, no future. And I stand here today to tell you that God is good. And what he calls and what he mends is mended forever. That's the truth. And Abraham demonstrates that. Hmm. Well, there's one last piece to this today. Abraham had to move and follow God to see his life mended. Guys, there's always a, a part of ours. There's always something we have to do on our part. Abram had to move. He couldn't just stand on God's promise, could he? He couldn't just sit there where his father had him. He had to move. So Genesis 12, 4 and 5 says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. Now Lot, he's a smart guy because he sees God's hand and favor on him and the blessing. And Lot went with Abram. And Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. And he, said, he says, listen to this. He says he took his wife, his nephew, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he could take into the household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan because he understood that God had a purpose and a plan and he had a future. And through him, those people would be blessed. But he understood that you had to leave behind the old to get the new. If you're saying, I'm purposeless, I'm planless, I don't have an idea, when God calls you out, you have to step into it. You can't stay. You have to move into what he's called you to. Sometimes that's a physical move. Sometimes it's a friend move. 
Sometimes it's a job move. But when God's spoken, if you want to see his hand, you have to move. Hmm. God understood that as long as he stayed in his father's house and his father's tent, that he could never be Father Abraham. And so he called him out. See, we have to be able to move our identity, our purpose, and our future into God's plan. And guys, it's just available to you. You just have to get moving. So today, Jesus has declared that he wants to give you a full life. He wants to give you purpose, identity, and a future. Sums it up really easily in John 10.10. He says, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And that's the kind of life I want to have. I want to have Abraham's life, an abundant life. I want to be mended and be used. Well, I'm going to close it up here. And uh, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And uh, I just want to restate this to you. In Christ Jesus, guys, church, family, friends, there is identity and there is calling. There is purpose and there is a plan. In him, there is a future. You just have to be willing to step into it. So, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I have three questions for you today. Just three simple questions. First and foremost, if you have never experienced God's salvation, you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, and you want to be identified as his, if that's you today, I just encourage you to raise your hand. If you've never done that, or this is the hundredth time you've done that, because you've fallen away, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Maybe some of you, is there anyone here who's struggling with their identity? Just wondering who they are today. Yeah, I see that hand. Maybe somebody here is looking for a purpose. You just need a purpose. If that's you today, you can raise your hand. Yeah. Maybe you need a future. I'll tell you what. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to come forward. If you that's you and you want, you want Pastor Aaron and I to agree with you in prayer, I'd encourage you to do that. Otherwise, just worship. Let the Spirit of God, church, envelop you. Father, we just praise you and we thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word, God, that you've given us. Lord, I just pray that you would begin to work in the hearts of your people. Lord, that you would give purpose, that you would give identity, and Lord, that you would give a future to those who are futureless. Father, I just praise you in Jesus' name. If that's you and you just want someone to agree with you in prayer, we're going to be down here for a couple minutes and uh, just open that up to you today. So otherwise, 
I would encourage you to worship along with Kelton for a few minutes. And um, we'll just pray with those who, who, are, who want to be prayed with right now.